0: Yeah, today today we're having a very special episode of the Bruce Campbell Podcast. We're talking to uh, independent B filmmaker, complimentary. I wouldn't say that's a compliment to everybody, but to this director, I specifically believe it's a compliment.
1: There's a heated debate on whether or not we call you a B movie director, and uh, i it's a compliment. Okay,
2: let me, okay, can I be a director for B or A or even C?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't need uh, to grade you, I you, guess. You...
2: you you could get a much better angle of the two of you. <laughs> you're, you're cutting you in half, and you're cut, you know, is either of you near enough to the camera to move it a little bit? Uh, I mean, yeah, you want, like here, I can, I can fix this, and, yeah.
0: And genuinely, uh, some people online have said, I should be cut in half, so I think you've keyed into that pretty quick. Oh, what are you doing to the camera now? our Our guest today is Director Josh Becker.
2: I can't help it. I did this at a you know, when I was, was it? doing extras on DVDs. I'd show up and they were you know, uh, well, I made it worse <laughs> Right, you're trying to get, yeah, you made it worse. You're not in at all now. All right, hold on. I'll just stand up. You guys up. can't handle <laughs> one camera. No, uh, well, a, you know, there's I'll no
1: stand up. Listen, we, we are uh, like D, D movie podcasters. No, like, no. no, honestly, like, we deserve criticism. We should hear more of it. Uh, yeah. We we actually <laughs> okay, like you're it.
2: A complete, you're completely out of frame.
1: <laughs> Nate, move over here. <laughs> I, got I
0: was cozy on that. If, bit. if you need to sit on my lap, you can. <laughs> I won't like it, but I'll tolerate it. Yeah, for the director. No,
2: it's great for the director. I mean, I'm just saying, Joe Rogan has this together, and you know, you podcasts. know, I've always so meant
1: to be more like Joe Rogan. Yeah, right? let's get right, the right. let's
2: get the weed out. <laughs>
0: All right. So, so go ahead. Yeah, Josh Becker. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Are you?
2: What? What was that we <laughs> <Joe> just saw? <laughs> You brought up Joe Rogan. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. You're That's right. on us.
0: That is on us. <laughs> yeah. So we, I reached out to you because we were talking about Alien Apocalypse, and I thought, you know, I love this movie. There's a lot to this movie. I wonder what Josh Becker's up to. So I did some furious googling. I, I bothered you all up and down your website. I found your Substack. I reached out to you because I. Th- We listened to the Alien Apocalypse commentary, and I thought, God damn, this guy's got some cogent thoughts about movie. I wonder if he'd want to talk to us. So here we are today. So my first first question to you, Josh Becker, director, how would you describe your movies and your TV shows? How would you describe your directing?
2: I would uh, describe my directing as very competent. I would agree. Um, you know, uh, which is probably my undoing. <laughs> uh, I I've been writing about that lately. Of people like William Wyler or Sam Raimi or a lot of different people. I'm not saying this is or Stanley Kubrick. Don't give a damn about coming in on schedule. I do because I wanted to keep working. Mm-hmm. Well, it's they keep working. They did or they will or they whatever of as a director. Because I wanted to keep working, I was good at coming in on schedule as I was with my movies. Um, And I'm not sure that that is a sign of genius i mean so
1: so it's, how do you deal with like scope creep then because you're a writer director right you know you, you usually come in as the combo and so you're passionate about your ideas uh, but you're also a director who wants to come in on time and on budget right so right. <laughs> how do you how do you tamp that uh. down
2: What? Yeah, you can't. I'm I'm 65 years old. I mean, I've done what I'm doing. I'm writing right now. I can sit and write forever. I can rewrite. I can have fun. I am writing a stage musical of the Ten Commandments, which is in public domain. (laughs) So far. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm using the one O, the Arabic one O instead of T E N. So I, I Cecil B. DeMille, cancel. <laughs> big, um, big
0: Cecil B. DeMille lawyers coming for you for that one. Uh
2: huh. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, that's my image of the whole thing of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Is DeMille? Yeah. Uh, as y- Yul Brynner is Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. You didn't like so, Exodus,
0: Gods and Kings. <laughs>
2: I tried. I. I. Uh. Did I not? I. Uh, uh, it's. No. I did. <laughs> no. Uh, it's, uh, I, I couldn't stick with
0: it. I. I. I went on a date to that movie and we left early. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Uh, uh,
2: uh. Christian Bale does not make a convincing Moses. <laughs> <laughs> no, <have> thunk it. <laughs> uh. And, and that other fellow was sort of interesting as Ramsey. Yeah. Wasn't
0: that Joel Edgerton? I believe because it was a Ridley Scott movie, wasn't it?
2: Yes. I, well, I re- as I p- pointed out in my, uh, uh, newsletter, uh, which it, it, I mentioned that movie because in the, uh, second unit of that movie, uh, which you know the digital effects uh everything is under construction all the pyramids are under construction there's scaffolding and around mm. everything and slaves are going up and down and <clears throat> i'm trying to get across in my musical as well as in my newsletter i wrote about um it, all the pyramids were built 12 to 1400 years earlier <laughs> Uh, Nothing was under construction. (laughs) Uh, So, just
0: as a note. So that, you mentioned that note, and I think that's really interesting that you do so, because anyone who looks at your movies with any kind of critical eye, you have in, I would describe, a very intense and fine eye for detail in your writing. Because... Let me bring up Alien Apocalypse in particular. You gave your bug aliens a religion, which is, I think, a really interesting choice and honestly a genius choice. And Thank you. and not a lot of directors or writers would put stuff like that in there. That's also It wasn't the focus of the plot either. It was no. just
1: like a nice little like we get a couple no. scenes of them praying. And I'm like, that's cool. I yeah. like just little flavor like that.
0: Yeah. Is are those little details do you pl- do you plan a lot of those when you're writing a story?
2: I wrote it in and I prayed to the bug God that they would give me time to shoot my parts of it. And I did. Cause a lot of it is CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I had to get the plate of the, you know, the campment uh, uh, and anyway, I did. So because they're trying as hard as they can to cut everything that isn't, you know, <laughs> while while not paying attention to what's there uh, uh uh a great moment on that production was when Gary Jones and I Gary was second unit director effects supervisor mm-hmm. uh informed them the next day uh since they've been attacked by these aliens and there has been a giant battle which we hadn't shot yet the whole place had to be destroyed and the producer bob perkins from new york city went nuts you can't pull this on us i went i'm not pulling anything you have the script in your hand <laughs> of it's that's what it says destroyed you know <laughs> uh uh what is that uh uh wood you know yeah the lumber uh, the lumber anyway, camp yeah right and uh uh uh, so anyway, it was done.
1: Well, that, that <laughs> shoot was like about like two weeks, right? That was a real tight shoot. And so it sounds like uh, half three. of it was we negotiation. Oh, it was three. Okay.
2: It's three. Oh, that's plenty of time days. then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's as I say, <laughs> it's trying to shoot movies in 18 days or episodes in seven or eight days uh, is not the place to show off as a director.
0: I mean, sure, but I think other directors cannot manage it. I do think you manage it more than others, which is why I think well, I think your work has resonated with me. <laughs> I, I watched Alien Apocalypse when it premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel. I've been a huge fan of horror movies, B-movies, your movies, Bruce's movies for years. And there are parts of that movie that have stuck with me. There are not parts of other Sci-Fi movies at the time that do not stick with me. So I do appreciate the little flares you put in movies. I think of Well thank you. I think of one in particular. Nate and I watched Warpath mm-hmm. to prepare for this because we thought, well, what's Josh Becker been up to? We watched your most recent movie. And thank you. I, <coughs> I, I purchased it on Amazon, truthfully, and you still put those little details in your movies. I think of the scene in particular with Tom Matthews sitting in the saloon, right? Where the yeah. two uh, soldiers come in and just dress down the bartender, and it's like that was very obviously a comedic scene put in. I probably a reference to Glory, which I I could make this whole argument about Warpath that that was the African African Queen done through the lens of Unforgiven, which a lot of fun.
2: Thank you. <laughs> uh, it, you know, look, uh, uh, I wish I could do anything like Unforgiven. <laughs> Their flourishes, like, I've
0: noticed your work, your work is rewarding for people who have taken in a lot of classic cinema, which <laughs> uh, I, yes. I don't know if other directors in your arena do the same, but I do notice that you try to do that a lot. Could you talk about adding references like that into your movies?
2: Um, I don't like to do it blatantly. But I like to do it, you know. Uh, uh like for instance in Warpath, the uh general store they go to is Seastrom's. And uh Victor Seastrom was a director, directed the Lon Chaney movies. Mm-hmm. The father, Lon Chaney Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, and he was a the great director of Sweden, SJO S-T-R-O-M, stroke. So yes, there's an inside (laughs) (laughs) reference. Um, And I sort of based her character on the writer, Willa Cather, uh, who was a famous writer in her day, won a Pulitzer Prize in the 20s. And I used her past and uh, coming from Red Cloud, Nebraska, as the history of that woman. Mm, Okay. The Swedish woman. Right. So there are references back and forth because that's what art is about. Mm -hmm. Of is, you know, how much of it have you seen? uh, And how much can you regurgitate at the right time? (laughs) (laughs) And uh,
0: my question Uh, specifically about Warpath is some writers have a really hard time with characters and with dialogue. And I thought Warpath was really interesting and it relates to a movie and it it even, Warpath stars an actor from another movie that I think does the same thing. Uh, Tom Matthews, he was in Return of the Living Dead. I think one of the strengths of Return of the Living Dead is having such built-in characters that are already characters coming in, and I think you excel at that, especially in Warpath, because I think Tom Matthews, is a, he's, a, he's a great actor. He comes in as this character, Emmett Cole, completely fully realized the, who were they? The Mennonites or like the Germans in Warpath who show up on their little little trailer just completely baked in characters. It reminds me of the uh, Leanna Quigley character from Return of the Living Dead, which he talks about getting ripped apart.
3: Do you ever fantasize? about being killed? Never. Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Try not to think about dying too much. Hmm. Well, for me, the worst way would be for a bunch of old men to get around me and start biting and eating me alive. I
4: see. <laughs>
0: it's like, oh, this is a very distinct thing that I will always remember. And I think your, your scripts do that as well. So I guess my question for you is, how do you go about writing characters like that?
2: Uh, well, he's a, a, a typical heroic character. So that wasn't hard. And, you know, I made him the payoff because he doesn't even come in for act one. Mm -hmm. He's not the lead. Uh, She's Mm -hmm. the lead. And uh, that, I thought, was a new way in for me as a writer is to take the female point of view. I haven't done it very often. Um. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> reasons and it was a challenge uh 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 the inspiration for that is really um uh what do you call it uh shoot John Wayne and uh Glenn Campbell um mm. true green
3: yeah.
2: is true mm-hmm. great both versions um and it's from her point of view mm-hmm. it's not Duke's point of view mm-hmm. and <clears throat> He's used as like a payoff, you know, and then there's... So I tried using that of it's all leading to... Like, they keep going, have you heard of Emmett Cole? Oh, of giving him an entrance. Mm-hmm. So there's like rumors about him before you ever meet him. <laughs> and he has a rep. Uh, so that's what I was okay. doing. Of. I I always hope for those in all those movies with Charles Bronson and whatever of give the man an entrance. You've got Charles Bronson. You've got whomever Mm -hmm. your star. Don't just cut to them. Have them come around a corner, do something, you know, give them an entrance. And I think,
1: have them a part of, of an exploding space probe, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. really kind of walking from the desert, and and, yeah. and so like I I guess like my follow up to that is more of like uh the business side of things more than the artistic side of things, right? Because it's been like almost two decades between Alien Apocalypse and Warpath, right? And the business.
2: Well, I did like morning, noon, and night in mm-hmm. between. Yeah, that, oh yeah, so. yeah,
1: and and I was thinking like it was just it's there, there's such a shift in movies from sci-fi channel days when everyone was watching cable to, to now. And like, has that changed your, your way of directing your way of writing? Like how has that like affected your life in general, I guess.
2: Oh, well, (laughs) sorry, that's a big one. Uh, uh, Well, I, I've been making these (coughs) independent movies my whole life and, Nobody ever really wanted... When I started, they really wanted them. Right at the beginning there, when we made Evil Dead and Thou Shall Not Kill, and right at the beginning, we caught the tail end of the whole real grindhouse, you know, I mean, 42nd Street and Broadway, mm-hmm. that whole thing that Quentin Tarantino and Richard Rod, they, like, wish that they had been <laughs> right? part of. We caught the tail end of that and were part of that. Those really were Evil Dead and Thou Shall Not Kill were grindhouse movies and got released that Mm -hmm. way. In all those wonderfully crummy theaters all over the country. And. uh, So I'm not sure what the question was, have things changed? Well, of course, you can't very quickly it was get. We were at the tail end of something, way back when. <laughs> so, by lunatics, I didn't get a, a theatrical release, and I should yeah. have. I mean, a small. Mm-hmm. It got great reviews. It got. It made its money back before it even came out. Of it, you know. Be, <sighs> there's no reason except that everyone was cheap and they do they didn't and that was going away already yeah it was getting hard mm-hmm. to get a theatrical release on a little independent mm-hmm. and that didn't get any easier <laughs> and
1: I- and yeah, right. I want to talk more Wait. about lunatics. Lunatics. I'm glad you brought it up because we just watched it last night. Yeah,
0: Nate saw um, it for the first time yesterday. I, I did.
1: Yeah, and because it's hard to get a hold of. I don't know if you're you're aware of that. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a movie that Tyler you initially saw it on VHS. Uh-huh. I think it's the only way that you can purchase the movie.
2: No, I've I, you can get it from Umbrella Entertainment okay. in Australia. <laughs> okay, good. On a on a DVD, which is what I... Yeah,
1: have. it might be cheaper to fly there to get that, but... <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it was like 20 bucks, honestly. Um, I'm not telling yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and
1: so, like, for, for some of those movies that are just kind of harder to get a hold of, I mean, luckily, Alien Apocalypse, you can just find that on Amazon, right? And, you know, it's part mm-hmm. of that package deal. But but some of the, the, the your other movies that are harder to, to come a hold of, like, how does that... How does that make you feel when like, you know, I have to I have to go on to like a shady YouTube link to find Lunatics a Love Story? I'll give you a, like, you know, five bucks if it makes you feel better. But stop <laughs> yeah.
2: me. I, I'm so far past any money ever coming to me for any of these movies. <laughs> there's, no, I mean, you you've got to be kidding. There's
0: there's no residuals, anything like that, nothing nothing in place for that.
2: Only the only residuals I get are projects that were Directors Guild okay. projects mm. like Xena and Hercules. Okay. Jack of all trades and that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh Independent movies are not Directors Guild. Okay. And there are no residuals at all. Ever, okay. So I get under any circumstances. Mm, that
0: answers some questions. So, what was it like getting Warpath made? Because we looked through the cast list, and a lot of those people were, you know, Michigan-based. So it made me think, oh, he didn't fly to Bulgaria for this one. He probably did it.
2: No, I shot it right here in okay. Michigan, as I did Morning, Noon, okay. and Night. As I did Thou Shall Not Kill, <laughs> right. Except, Way the Hell Back <laughs> mm-hmm. When. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it was tough. This last one mm-hmm. was tough. Uh, I had a tough time putting together my cast and crew. Uh, Everybody, there used to be a lot of film people here in Detroit, and there aren't anymore.
0: Yeah, and uh, let me ask you this. Something that I've noticed in movies is that a lot of people writing movies and making movies are the children of previous filmmakers. That was not the same for you and your group of friends. So what do you think of modern movie making now as compared to how you would do it?
2: I don't watch movies anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, I believe that it, it's a lost art. Nobody really cares about a two hour movie anymore. That it has to be at least six hours. It has to be a limited series to even go to the trouble of getting name mm-hmm. actors of that ultimately I, I, I wouldn't have believed it but in my lifetime this form has really died. I mean people don't want the two hour movie form
1: <laughs> anymore. I, I don't know about like the thing that made me Excited to watch your movies is like oh this is coming in on time for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get to sit down and watch something for an hour and a half. That's a fully contained story, and I like that because I think I yeah, like you. because I think TV kind of ate <laughs> the movie star in a way, right? Because like you know TV, these it, it is like an hour hour and a half commitment. You know, I, I sat down and watched the first episode of Fargo, loved it, but I was like oh I didn't know I was getting into like an hour and a half here. <laughs> um, so. But it, yeah, so it sounds like this, the format changed. The desire for the hour and a half might have changed for an audience, but I don't know if it's gone. It, uh,
2: uh, it's not gone, but uh, the money is yeah, out yes, mm-hmm. there. Yes, yeah. there's. And yeah, and, and it's very hard to work. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm actually doing reasonably well with Warpath mm-hmm. streaming. Both Warpath and Morning, Noon and Night are on stream. You know, I have a streaming distributor. Mm-hmm. And Warpath is actually making decent. These are called royalties. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, if I live long enough, that movie might pay back <laughs> for itself. So at this point,
1: it, it you know, is this for fun? You know, like it, it is, is movie making just uh, just for you at this point, or like you know,
2: I I don't know that I can put myself through this independent thing again. I could do it, like you guys didn't watch Morning, Noon, and Night, and it really is perhaps my oddest. Okay, movie. okay, I think we'll hit it.
1: Yeah, and, but coming
2: from the director
0: of Lunatics, and, that's that's a pretty big brag.
2: And uh, uh, and I really. I could do another one of those. I brought that thing in, you know, I, I did my competent thing and, uh, it was a hundred thousand dollars and it was 15 days and, uh, uh, everything. I mean, a lot of things went wrong, but basically I got the movie I thought mm-hmm. I was going to get. And, uh, that's fine. Warpath, I didn't know what I was thinking. I finally had to get to sixty years old to make an indie indie movie that went out of control. On a lot me.
1: of horses in that movie. With yeah. Horses.
2: Uh-huh. God damn, and I just don't know what I was thinking. And it rained almost a whole shoot, and I didn't have interiors to go to. It's like ninety percent exterior. Good lord. And So what you do usually, if a movie is 50% inside outside, that if it rains, you go to your sets or your Mm. interiors. I didn't have any to go to. I shot them all out, really. And then we shot in the rain and nobody was happy (laughs) about that. And uh, uh, I think it comes through. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain grimness. <laughs> it, I would say that uh, adds to the movie.
0: Like, any, if anyone hasn't seen Warpath, it's <laughs> it's honestly, if anyone had to ask me how to describe your movies, I would say unforgettable because they, Nate and I talked about this. We were talking about independent movie making, and we're thinking the tone on this movie is so peculiar in a good way. And so, so its own thing. And we were thinking like, who's the audience for that? It's not for dumb old people. It's not for young people. Who is this for? And we, my theory is, Oh, this is Josh Becker making a movie. Josh Becker wants to make. And then when I looked at the rest of your movies that I had seen, I thought that's exactly what he's doing. And that's why I like these movies, because I would rather watch, and I'm not calling your movies this, I would rather watch an ambitious mess made by one weirdo than any of that Marvel studio stuff because Mm -hmm. at least I know
2: Yes, I'm with you
0: totally. I would rather watch the movie Babylon than any Ant-Man movie, because at least I know Babylon, it's a three-hour long mess that's really fun to watch, but it's not I don't have to do six hours of homework to understand what's happening in the movie. And I think your movies excel at telling one complete quirky story, all of them without fail.
2: That's the game I think is telling Mm -hmm. stories. That's what I do in the newsletter is I tell Mm -hmm. stories. I'm not trying to make, uh, 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 to be right or to be on the right side or to, I'm trying to spin (laughs) a tale. It, and so I was just gonna
0: say, go uh, your writing in that newsletter, fantastic, a lot of fun. I was not I I had never subscribed to a substack before, and yours was the first, and I do read it every day. And when you say you're trying to tell a story, it makes me think, how many modern filmmakers are just trying to tell a story? And it's hard to think of ones that are just it's telling a story. Like you said, being right, being on the right side of something. I think that's a fair point because movie making, while it is an art and can tell pretty big, important stories, it is about telling a story, being entertaining for 90 minutes. I guess I guess that.
2: Yes. And it's bottom yes. line. <laughs> and at the well, end of the day. Yeah. Do that. Then if you have a greater point, well, mm-hmm. go for it. Um, But you'd better entertain me (laughs) on a basic level. Yeah. And I think, you know, like
1: Uh polish isn't necessarily entertaining either. Right. Like, you know, I I, I appreciate a lack of polish because like it it does kind of show me that it shows the humanity behind a story, shows the humanity of making a movie. And, you know, when you talked about being rained out for half of Warpath, I was thinking like, I wonder what the biggest mess that you encountered and how you fixed it. In, in making a movie did the movie just blow up on you we just yeah. kept
2: going <laughs> we just kept going so like uh, yeah uh, the main the great thing about rain just by the way because it rained all all the time on scene mm-hmm. and hercules of uh, in New Zealand it just rains like once or twice every day uh shooting in the rain you can't tell mostly unless you backlight rain, you can't really see it okay um so in a lot of those scenes in Warpath, it's just raining. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that <they> checks out. <laughs> um and if you really look hard, you can see like leaves in the background getting hit by raindrops. But um on Xena, and I did it on my these movies too. It's a great uh movie making trick that I learned in New Zealand is at the uh, uh, army surplus store, you can buy parachutes uh, uh, that are like cheap as heck, you know, at $25 and they're huge. And you put them up on C stands and they're waterproof <laughs> And the water. You have the camera <laughs> and everybody under there. And then you just make the actors. You can even stick it out and have the actors under there, too. But the the light comes through the parachute because it's. So uh, anyway, rain. Yes. Uh, uh, (laughs) Lots of rain. (laughs) The the rain in New Zealand was nice, though, because it was warm. Uh, The rain (laughs) here in Michigan was just cold. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Here in Oregon, the rain's not much better. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, like, uh, where? During... Where in Oregon are you?
1: We're in Eugene. Yeah, just a little south of Portland.
2: Yeah, 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 fine yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, it. occasionally,
1: uh, actually, we do see Bruce Campbell at like a McMenamins, and we're like, "Hey, we're big fans," and he hates it. But no, we haven't done that in <laughs> decades.
2: <laughs> oh, but I lived in Jacksonville, right up the street from Bruce. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So where you he li- lived in Jacksonville, he got okay. rid of that place. Okay now he's in ashland yeah ashland nice little town
1: yep lived in ashland for a little while too it's it's a uh, it's a nice tourist town
2: good good, <laughs> well, good place college town. you know yeah yeah. They, yeah
0: they've got my favorite brewery in oregon so i'll give them that Good brewery uh good uh, shakespeare well, Festival. that's a lot yeah <laughs> yeah it is a lot i
2: want to move in next door
0: oh i believe me i am missing that caldera speakeasy brewery <laughs> like that was, that was yep. fantastic place Shout out anyway, to so
2: that's—I uh, don't know if I'm giving way, but that Bruce is still in Oregon. You
0: know? Oh yeah, well, yeah. He, he we, posts we knew, about it. We so, knew that, and we're not going to stalk him. Like we've always said, he has no invite on this podcast that we named after him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what is this? Uh, okay, renew. Shut. Okay. Anyway. Thing
1: uh, 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 uh. well yeah, actually no this is good because i wanted to talk about problems and how they make because i was talking during the unscheduled break with tyler like hey i like it when pr- you can see problems happening in movies because it brings out creative choices right like you know just because i was thinking about like okay it's raining a lot in warpath that probably explains the scene uh with i forget the clara i forget the character's name the main character's name yeah go on Warpath. But like she, she's underneath like the uh, the wagon and having oh, that yeah. scene just being miserable. Was that because it rained? Like was that written? No, no or- that was
2: written into the script. And okay, it, that is, and that's fake rain, of course.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they that planned that that scene on the day it rained. <laughs> uh, well, okay. No, it's
2: not going to rain when you want it to.
1: <laughs> and here I was thinking, like, oh, he just he pivoted on that, and you got a really good scene out of it.
2: No, no, no. We had, you know, hoses and. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, but like ha- have you like done that, that though? Huh.
1: Yeah, oh I like that scene too, you know. Like nothing nothing's better than a, a character that's miserable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Genuinely the best part. Uh let me ask you this.
0: Uh there has been a little bit of a fan resurgence and rediscovery of Jack of All Trades and you directed the pilot to that. Right. How much input into the visual language of that show and the style of that show did you have?
2: Uh, I, I showed that it could be done of, you know, I mean, I shot two episodes at the same time mm-hmm. and I'd never done that. Uh, And it was, I shot what is called episode one and episode three mm-hmm. at the same time. So if I was in the, uh, dining room of the French ambassador Croke. Uh, I shot the scenes for both scripts, and what they did is they kept the characters in the same outfits every episode. Uh, of you'd have a change for one scene, but they'd always go back to that outfit. So, uh, it I thought it would be weird, and it wasn't <laughs> because in a movie. you really do shoot it one shot at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's not even one scene at a time. It's one, let's get this shot. And where it ends up being put into episode one or three ultimately is a different issue. You know, I have to make, they used to say that I have to make a good shot. (laughs) <laughs> of make or make the scene but this shot right here is fully enclosed it is let's get this one right and then let's get the next one right hopefully they'll cut together and, <laughs> and my theory is that well Howard Hawks had long before me uh, of but you try to make or shoot as many good scenes as you can and if you have enough good scenes and you stick them together, you should have a good movie. Theoretically.
1: So, yeah. So, like, with, with, like, a chaotic, like, shooting schedule like that, how do you deal with actors? Like, is there friction there with, like, people wondering, who am I? <laughs> like, what am I doing right now? Like.
2: I. I. <clears throat> that's their department. All once right. Fair I, <laughs> once I've cast the part, I, I cast my vote.
3: Mm -hmm. I
2: say Tom this is now your problem (laughs) you know show up yeah yeah.
1: good no I was just saying put those lazy actors to work they're getting paid for it
2: (laughs) it's that that department has a that's Phil you know Mm the uh uh, that character once I've put an actor now I don't have to think about that character anymore of (laughs) they're going to show up and hopefully the actor has put their entire mind to that character. And, uh, uh, now I'm just going to tell them to hit marks and, uh, uh, you know, the lights hit it, move over an inch cause the lights better. Yeah. But like,
1: you know, like in, in some of your movies, I'm thinking of alien apocalypse, you get a lot of like non-actors, Right, you get you know people, people or people that just don't speak English or you know like <laughs> oh exactly. yeah yeah like, I, I, like what about like course correction there because if they're just not if they're not doing it I know in the commentary you were talking about that senator guy who it sounds like you hated oh, that guy
2: I I I, it,
1: it, I can look on your I face and hate you him hate as a human <laughs> being
2: you know <laughs> uh, he came up to me at, I told at the rap party it was like he was totally drunk That's, oh man. That was like the greatest experience. Like when you just, and it's like, you were terrible. I didn't say it. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God.
1: No, but he's got to tell that story where he's that a movie his entire life though. So like, that means something.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, he was so bad. Uh, all of things, <laughs> oh God, you, ha-, you know, anyway, uh, uh, I didn't cast him. Uh, he came at the last second. He did speak English. Uh, uh, that's all. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> but like, like, can you fix a guy like that? Like, can you, like, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk this out, and maybe we need to go. I didn't have time. I didn't okay. have time.
2: With that location, I got it that day of uh, the one for the restaurant. And it, it, I look, I'm not making excuses. To, we're not allowed to, That directors. That's the location that was given to me. It was not dressed at all. I had all of these extras that didn't know what the hell was going on. None of them spoke English, but uh, it happened to be the day I remember um, Ronald Reagan died. <laughs> okay. it, it was the day Ronald Reagan died, whatever you can. Um, that is the date we shot that. And uh, one of you with your phones could look that up. Um, and these old, We were like, you know, these uh, extras that were supposed to be senators and and Congress people from 25 years ago, uh, none of whom spoke almost any English, kept coming up. And I am so sorry about President Reagan. (laughs) You know, he was a great, great man. (laughs) And I went, I, I didn't vote for him. Uh, personally but uh uh, uh thank you uh, I mean, for for all of america i thank you well it's a
1: presidential and, scene too right
2: <laughs> it was yes, president yes, heavy yes. in that scene uh, yeah but no, i was shooting the the former president yes um uh, but uh, uh that's what i recall oh i'm so sorry <laughs>
0: Yeah, me too. Oh,
2: <laughs> well, you know what's you know what's funny about Nate and I were
0: talking about this with Alien Apocalypse, uh, because it's like twenty years in the future, so or forty years, whenever it was, it's like oh, those are just the same government officials we have now. Which, those are still the same ones. Joe Biden's still there. Diane Feinstein's still there. All of them are still there. Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell, they're all still there. So I thought that
2: was pretty accurate. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, you know, look, it was it, it, as far as Sci-Fi Channel movies go. Uh, I thought it went pretty well, you know, with a uh, Bulgarian crew and that whole nonsense. It, but
0: yeah, uh, the thing about Alien Apocalypse, and it was kind of remarked on by Bruce in the commentary, is he used you as a scapegoat. Or a guinea pig to make a movie in Bulgaria, so he could make his movie a little better. Is how he well, kind of
2: easier, easier, I, I, yeah, I went not better. First. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well, whatever. But the point is, I I was there first, and we didn't have you know uh, an office or anything set up, so we set up in this really really funky former. Uh, a communist TV complex that had been abandoned years and years before, and was uh, huge. This concrete buildings with rebar and broken walls, and big old trucks that had, you know, went out for a uh, 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 remote TV stuff, but hadn't been used in twenty years, and the place was all concrete no matter how many little heaters you had it was freezing in there (laughs) and that's where we set up that's what they rented and we set up all of our offices and everything in this place and uh it was there were packs and packs of dogs i was gonna write about that in crack of dawn uh packs of wild they're not wild they're just stray dogs uh, 20, 25 dogs and I started to buy uh, sausages at the little uh, butcher right near where my apartment was and I would bring them in I would chop them up and in the morning I would come in with a plastic bag full of chopped up sausages and 25 dogs of every different breed <laughs> would come up and they'd line up and I would fling <laughs> one to each one and I wasn't the first guy to do this. Uh, George Costello, who was <laughs> the production designer on alien apocalypse. He started doing it before I did. And I saw him doing it. And I thought, what a cool thing. Uh, George Costello, who's seven feet tall, um, had done all of the Russ Myers movies. Mm, okay. Faster pussycat, kill, mm-hmm. kill, mm-hmm. and all the rest. He, so George was already in his seventies when he did alien apocalypse. I would not be surprised if he's dead now. Um, but, uh, 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 really true. And he built that bug house. That's a full sized thing. With yeah. A- yeah. I
1: want to ask about that bug house. Cause like in the commentary, you're like, that was most of our budget. Like, was that an accident? Yeah. You know, like, did but you accidentally for George build, it wasn't- <laughs> but like for you though,
2: <laughs> like, George- did you like, whoops, <laughs> You have no control once you've set this thing in motion. I mean, he's in control of the art department, and for George, as I say, who was like seventy-two, of the thing that really intrigued him about that script was that bug house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it looks good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fantastic. Still looks striking. Uh, I,
2: yes, and I got, I got what I've think of as a John Ford shot (laughs) where things went right for their own reasons. But in the side shot of entering the bug house and the wings open, a swirl of sawdust that had been left over from the carpenter's building damn thing (laughs) um, goes swirling up during that side shot. And now that I've pointed it out to you, you you would see it. Uh, but John Ford was known for getting things to work. The, the famous one is in How Green Was My Valley. Um, and Maureen O'Hara has just gotten married and she has a long, long veil. And right as she comes out of the church, the wind catches it and swirls it up in the air. And it wasn't a machine, a wind machine was just happened. And you know, John Ford would Cut, print it, you know, like he meant that to happen. And it's gorgeous. And he it happened to him a lot where the where the clouds got into just the right place. And he'd get it and like, Whew. Uh, so I I have I that's my John Ford moment. Let me, <laughs> what are what are some of your other John Ford moments? What are some I of don't, the- don't know if I have any.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm wondering what bits of your work you're the most proud of
2: good question there's a good question um, <laughs> first I, one I, in an I,
0: hour we've done it
2: <laughs> I, I got a couple of steady running time the whole thing mm-hmm. every steady cam shot in that I think is a masterpiece Yeah, genuine, and- genuine
0: running time is a masterpiece That that was the first movie of yours I saw and I thought my god this guy's got the juice it's running time I, I, masterpiece.
2: I, I, thank you. Thank you. I I did everything within my means to kill that young steady cam operator. <laughs> <laughs> and he he had just bought that steady cam and he was in great shape and he was 25 years old. He went, I can do anything. I went, fine. Let's see. And uh, I kicked his ass. <laughs> The shot that I made work a couple of times, a couple (laughs) takes of Bruce comes up the alley. He goes past us. We go with him across the street, around a police car comes. We follow around as the police car, we hear this, you know, the police car goes by. We follow him to the building where I lived, up the stairs to the apartment where I lived, to the girl. that shot is just like how did I get it how did it work how, 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 how you got a sucker a 25
1: year old guy to go up some stairs a couple yeah. times <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, yeah. And, then I, and he has to do the whip pan over to the police car at the end at, at the end of that giant take and he fucked it up somehow and I said going again (laughs) uh, 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 I'm ready I'm good I'm really good you know not a problem here if we could just like take a minute hey hey take your minute (laughs) Uh, but uh, those uh, I'm trying to think John Ford you know John Ford got all the John Ford moments um the little swirl, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Things, if I could just, if I got it, you know, um, then I I was really pleased.
0: Yeah, and I think you got a lot of those moments specifically in Running Time, Uh, definitely in Lunatics. Lunatics is, it's very much a product of the early 90s in the sound and how it looks, but that's also what makes it so visually striking, I think, your your style and creativity comes through in that in a way that I think your TV work, w- it, the budget and time didn't allow for it. I think specific. Yes, like do. Like when you say that you're writing a, did you write the rap in Alien Apocalypse? That's my question. Or not, uh, <laughs> Lunatics. <laughs> yeah. Wrong movie. Lunatics. Yeah. Lunatics.
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. I wrote that rap song and I, I p- said it to, uh, uh, Run DMCs, it's like that, and that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Joe LaDuca took it out of my hands (laughs) and went, it's too white. (laughs) And all of your grammar is perfect. That's not a rap song. (laughs) And he added all the yo mans and whoa yo and uh, like ain'ts. And uh, uh yeah. <laughs> things with apostrophe something of got rid of the G's. Mm-hmm. And uh it, anyhow.
1: It, it, it sounds like you it. got a lot of like trust in the people you work with, right? Like you, yes, you're set and you're just like, okay, trustful, here we go. Joe Laduca, fix my music. <laughs> or well, rather, you trust that. him to tell him, like, hey, <laughs> to tell yeah, you to I stop. mean,
0: it's his department. He's gonna do right. his True. job. True. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Right. He's going to de-whiteify my black rap (laughs) lyrics because I was wrong he was right Mm -hmm. if you're going to write rap lyrics whitey (laughs) don't put G's at the end of all your words Um, and uh, uh, yeah I do Uh, I have if I can find someone and I've done it my whole career like Kay Davis who has cut every one of my movies just about I like the way she cuts. Mm-hmm. If she's available, I'm getting her. Yeah, that's that. That
0: makes that makes some of the uh, acting choices that some of your actors make make a lot more sense because when you work with someone like Ted Raimi in Lunatics mm-hmm. or Bruce in Running Time, those are very strong, very talented, perceptive actors who know what to do, what choices to make, and I think that puts them above other actors. Because one thing, like, what Nate and I always say about Bruce's performance in every movie is he knows exactly how much to give with every role. Either it's the too much that the script is asking for, but it somehow is always balanced just right. And, like, a lot of people have gone on to say that, like, oh, when Sam Raimi works with... Bruce Campbell, they make a masterpiece. I think you, Josh Becker, coax the finest performance Bruce Campbell's ever done with running time. Like, Thank you. I, I genuinely believe that Bruce, like, he he's called himself the B-movie actor. He gets pushed in, like, when people want Bruce Campbell in their movie, they want a certain thing to happen, which he can, he do. can do. And I think... Honestly, I would say that's to his detriment because he is capable of so much more.
2: It's given him a long career. It,
0: certain, certainly. <laughs> no, he's, he's no victim here. Like, he's, he's doing exactly what he wants, and that's great. But I think what you showed he could do in running time and a few other things he's done as well, I think there is a whole world of work out there he could have done, and yours is at the top of that list.
2: Right. Well, it started, look, i, I that's Bruce's uh, karma of uh, he should have had the lead in Crime Wave. Mm-hmm. And the minute he didn't get the lead in Crime Wave, you know, then his career took a turn away from those mm-hmm. guys, uh, Sam and Rob. And they are the three of them are evil men. Mm-hmm. But Bruce no longer was part of them, that company Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And he should, you know, he should have gotten that lead. And if he had gotten it, huh, that might have been a hit movie. Right.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't have been what it was, that's for sure.
2: Right. It could very well have been funny. <laughs> and that would have changed everything. Yeah. So things go, it's very much the uh uh slacker, mm-hmm. you know, you go this way, and that's life The going that way, but if you don't catch the cab <laughs> and you, you know. yeah, I'd
0: like to see us sliding doors about Bruce Campbell's career. <laughs>
1: uh if I only got the
0: Phantom
2: well, you know I mean i I remember the day he auditioned for uh, the phantom, yeah, I, yep.
0: okay, I was going to bring up the Phantom because I've always thought if he got the Phantom over Billy Zane, would Bruce Campbell have ended up in Titanic? Would
1: that have like? S-
2: R- who, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and the Phantom was awful. Yeah. So I'm glad he didn't. Get oh, it.
1: I don't know about the Phantom. I like the Phantom. Nate <laughs> loves the Phantom. <laughs> I have a certain. I have a All certain right, garbage taste in movies.
2: All right. Let's, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. No, no, no. Look, you can love the Phantom. It it, it bombed yeah. at the box that's office. True. It wouldn't have helped no It. Uh, it was a good. The universe stepped in and went. You don't need to star in this. Bomb. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you know, I think
1: a lot about, like, chemistry, though, right? Because, like, certain directors work better with certain actors. And, like, you've known Bruce for a long time. You've known Ted Raimi for a long time. Uh, it, like, how much does chemistry play in, like, the way you work with people like that? You know, like, it, it, do, do you think that, you know, that relationship you have with, like, Bruce and Ted, like, bring out their best performances? Or, like, they're, they're doing their work and it's not, like...
2: I... I try to. I appreciate their work. I appreciate all the actors work when I'm on the set. And the actors come onto the set because they they have to go through that makeup costume stuff. So there's a lot of time where you're on the set with the crew. And. I think a lot of, I know a lot of directors like that the best Mm. talking to the cinematographer, talking to the cameraman, talking to the, and I think that's great. I love it too. Of, except that I try to, uh, I sing songs (laughs) of, and to keep my cool, keep the cool of the set, uh, and not get into. I I don't want to. I don't want to have a running discussion with the camera crew and the lighting crew. They know what I want. I've told the DP just do it. We don't have to talk about it. I'm gonna sit here and sing songs, and I'm gonna be calm. But when the actors arrive, it's all about them. I don't want to hear about lights. I don't want to hear about cameras. I don't want to hear about lenses. As far as I'm concerned, that crew's not there. They better have a darn good reason to interrupt me while I'm dealing with actors. Mm -hmm. And that includes the assistant directors. Actors get all the attention. They must feel secure in doing what they're doing because frequently... If they don't do it correctly, they look like assholes. <laughs> and they have to feel free to look like an <laughs> asshole. And nobody, you know, I, I don't care. I'm not going to get mad and nobody's going to get mad. And it's, it's cool. So that's what I think is important. Directly.
0: Okay. Uh, Making sure the sweet the people, baby actors don't feel hurt. <laughs> and
2: and yes. that yes. they have a safe mm-hmm. place right. to work because the rest of us can hide behind monitors or cameras or what, you mm-hmm. know. Excuse me.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, uh, they're out there with their pants <laughs> right. down.
0: Sometimes, quite literally, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, and if you're in a tight close up, I mean, you know what their performance can be very subtle and get across what you Mm -hmm. want. Uh, So. So, yeah. So it sounds (laughs) like,
1: well, crew chemistry is equally important too. Right. It sounds like there's just that two halves, right? Because like before they show up, before the actors are there, it sounds like there's a high pressure on the tech crew to be ready for showtime, right? And just like you as a vibes right. director at that point, making sure that they're OK. <laughs> yeah, it sounds
0: to me like you're directing theater, like you do the tech rehearsal and yeah, then you yeah. do the actor rehearsal.
2: Right, except we don't get any rehearsal. Right. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I had rehearsal on Lunatics and Running Time. I mean, only time I've ever had rehearsal. Uh It's great. <laughs> Um, no, I, uh, if you even get a read-through in TV, it's mm-hmm. something. So uh, a lot of those people are meeting each other for the very first time mm-hmm. in, in doing this scene. so
0: And you have to make sure day, they do it right.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and don't, you know, day players, this very, could very well be the first day they've ever been on camera in their life, which, I you know, happens all mm-hmm. the time. People that day put, they've got one line or two lines. They're going to be there that one day they've never. And they're just, you know, ready to throw up. <laughs> they're having, you know, the most tension of right. their whole life. And uh, I have to let them know that there's no way they can fuck up. <laughs> yeah, okay, it
0: just yeah, can't. you show them a clip of that senator from Alien Apocalypse. You're like, you won't be this bad, right. <laughs> right?
2: No, you're an actor, and I cast you, and I've used that a lot of times. Of and and they don't even know that. That's what's fascinating. I mean, you of they think the casting director cast, them. and. I went, no, no, she showed me all these, you know, performances on C- on DVD, and I went, them, <laughs> I chose you, I know you can do it, you already did it, now do it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, l- let me ask you this, we ask you the stuff you were proud of, what's some of the stuff you hated?
2: Oh god, you know, this all the second unit in thou shalt not kill except, I mean, all the crap we picked up for months after main unit shooting was done and all <laughs> the stupid inserts that don't cut well and, you know, all my dreams of you know, having a budget and machine guns and M60 M16, all this crap, you know, <laughs> just trying to make do with what I had in the editing room.
1: I mean, do you, do you ever like, do you go back and watch these movies again? Like, do you go back and watch "Thou shall not kill except uh, or are you just done? I
2: haven't in a long, well, it depends. I mean, there are, they rear their heads and I'm very proud of that movie. And the fact that it continues to stay alive and there is a blu-ray, mm-hmm. 4k version that you know looks better than it did when it was shown mm-hmm. originally and it has really no right to look <laughs> that good. Is it
1: a problem for those older movies? Um, like if they look, you know, cause you know, we, we've been going through and watching old Star Trek and I'm like, this looks too good. This should have been a blurry shot. <laughs> like This should have been on like a, a, a nasty TV from the nineties. <laughs>
2: I, I look uh it, it could use all the help it could get I was I'm very okay. pleased with the 4k versions of running mm-hmm. time and uh thou shall not kill and I'm talking to them about uh doing uh if mm-hmm. I had a hammer which has never been released in yeah any I was form. reading
0: about that I wanted to ask about if that was possibly ever going to come out there it's it's
2: well, synapses oh, interesting.
0: Great. So, uh, on your, have you done a commentary with Ted for Lunatics?
2: That? No, no, no. It never, it never came out officially on DVD okay, that, that I know. Of.
0: The, if I had my personal, I don't. Uh, I, Josh Becker wish yeah, it would be I, that you and Ted do a commentary for Lunatics because that movie is still wild to this day. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and we'd have yeah. to have Bruce. I mean. I mean, he's all over that movie. I mean, he produced it. He's the mad doctor. He's the mm-hmm. boyfriend. You know, I love him oh, as I, the boyfriend. Yeah. The he, him boyfriend. playing a
0: sleazeball is perfect. Yeah. Like, I have seen people post that clip of him saying, bitch, I'll talk to you however I want, being like, oh my God, he's so hot. I wish he'd talk to me
2: like this. <laughs> and he did it perfect. And... It, oh. Okay, good. This is the Bruce Campbell yeah, channel, yeah. right? Let's talk Let's about it. Bruce. Because huh, he... And there are very few actors, I think, in Hollywood that could do this for you. Of I have the... Because he's got that at the last shot of him as the boyfriend is a uh, bitch, <laughs> and she drives away. And uh, I forget what his silly line is, you know. Uh, and then he gets hit... In the head with mm-hmm. the Yeah, back. yeah. And collapses. And he said, I can do this a half a dozen different <laughs> ways. Would you like to <laughs> see? And I went, fuck <laughs> yes. Like what, he gives you like a menu of like, yeah, all right, yeah. here's, here's oh, the right. bruises you can have. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, here are the stunts, because I'm still young <laughs> enough. Uh... That if I get hit in the head with a bat, I could do a full (laughs) flip. I could land on my (laughs) neck. I could, you know, hit the car, then hit the... I mean, he went through, uh, like, here are the varieties of things. He goes, but personally, I like (laughs) this one. And it's getting hit on the head and going straight (laughs) down which is purely comic. And I went, I was in stitches. I went, yes, of course, of course. It has to be that one. And uh, so that's what's in the movie. So that it really is, you know, because everything else was, he was getting hit with it and the momentum caused him to do something. But in this one, he, basically what he's saying is he's a cement <laughs> post. And whap, it hits him in the head and then he withers. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a- which yeah, I'm just picturing t-
1: like the stagehand yeah. just on this ladder, just whipping a bat at his head, too. I mean,
2: <laughs> well, it was yeah, made sure. of foam. Yeah, there's a guy on a ladder, but you know, it's me. Big, big <laughs> deal. Just hit him.
0: That's, I mean, you, we could take that ethos to all actors. Just hit him. You'll
1: get what you want. <laughs>
2: it's, made of, it's, it's made of foam rubber. You know, you can't, can't hurt hit an actor it. these days. Well, you
1: know, like, it's <laughs> uh, true, though. Like, uh, that's one of my complaints is that, like, you know, there's no kinetic energy. In 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 action movies, you know, because actors aren't getting hit with things; they're getting hit with, you know,
2: <laughs> we're right there yeah. in front of yeah. green
0: screen. With the even the costumes are green screen. Well, like, yeah. there's not like nobody's reacting it to anything that's happening because it's all digital. It's
1: just fake nonsense. The the people want latex, <laughs> you know they they want to see the bugs, the actual bugs, and like the the thing about Alien Apocalypse that still blows my mind is how seamless it is from. It works. It works from latex puppet to CG, you know, uh, CG monster, right? Because they look close and you can do that matching.
2: Well, because we started with the real one and then did you map the hell mm. out of it, shot it from every possible angle, put it in the computer and base the CG on the yeah. rubber one. Yeah. It- mm-hmm. So... That's the whole difference. Is Gary Jones, the effects guy, knew if we did it in that order, it mm-hmm. would look. It
1: makes bad. all the difference too, because you can see when a big old needle comes poking out of a wall in *Lunatics*. Like T- Ted rabie's like reacting to it. You know, he's,
2: he's yeah. seeing
1: a big needle. He could be scared of it. <laughs>
2: or, or a good example in that movie is because I just like to do old-fashioned effects of. Ted being chased by the animated spider, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, yeah. on, <laughs> yeah. on a treadmill in front of a <laughs> rear screen. And then, you know, we we're, we're with the fake uh, clampers <laughs> on top of a van yeah, chasing I him. I, I, I Ooh, love dark. stuff
1: like that. I mean, here's the thing. Yes, we, we know that it's not going for photorealism here. You know, it, it. you can tell he's on a treadmill. But the part I liked about it is that A, works in the scene because he's losing his mind. <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it should look a little weird because he's being chased by a spider. And and B, like, I, I just appreciate it. Like, it doesn't break any sort of immersion because that's not what you're going for in Lunatics, you know? You're going for the experience of it. Um,
2: variety said of that scene, an obviously fake giant yeah. spider. And uh, my feeling was the real giant spider was busy, <laughs> and so we had to get the obviously fake <laughs> Let me-
0: let me, let me personally um, reply right. to Variety how I would reply. Hey, Variety, no shit. <laughs> it's like, who cares? It rocks. Movies Shut aren't up. real, Variety.
1: I don't know if you know this. <laughs>
0: yeah, guess what? Uh, Ted Raimi doesn't really have spiders in his brain. Those weren't real either. Let me jangle some yeah, keys well. for you. <laughs> Come on.
2: Uh Anyway, so, uh, yeah, in that movie, I got to do a a, a lot of goofy old effects. I love to put in old effects if possible. Green screen, I've used many times, and you always get nauseous in front of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you work too long in front of a green screen.
1: You lose your sense of space, right? Like, if if you're in a green screen, you don't don't know where the ground is. (laughs)
2: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. its point. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and honestly, uh, don't I don't I don't care for it. I don't care for it. I'll never care for it. I I think it's
2: not not uh, in a car, not not in a bar, <laughs> not with a fox, not in a box. <laughs> I do not like
0: it. I don't know. Maybe enough. it's the theater. All the theater I've done, it's like uh, the actor should be in a space reacting to things happening in that space because. You know, it's easier to react to things that you're really seeing. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, it's yeah. more fun. It's more fun. Of uh, it's more fun if you can figure out a way to do it mm-hmm. right there. Um to me anyway. Of if you don't if you can't figure out how to do it there and you have to do it as CG, then you yeah. do. Well, and it's 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 fun, right? But that shouldn't be that shouldn't be your first no. choice. No. I think like it, it sounds
1: like you have fun when you figure out a cool practical effect, right? Like you know, it, if, yes. if you figure out how to drill a hole through the floor and like you know have a cool <laughs> light poke through it, yeah. Like I think it just adds more energy to the set, doesn't it? You know, than just like oh we'll figure that out later and it, you know we'll just have to deal with the green,
2: <laughs> right? Well, I you know yes to me it's a it's a you use it's one more tool in your toolbox and if you're ignoring all your other tools yeah then you're
0: then you're putting harrison ford's face on a cg body for indiana jones five
2: (laughs) or or the the two of them running up the hallway in uh titanic Of with their <laughs> faces on <laughs> stunt people, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. Of uh, anyway, I, I have no, nothing against it, uh, but it shouldn't be necessarily the first choice of anything. You know. uh, I'll, I'll say it. I don't like it at all. No, <laughs> you, can, you can do it.
0: It's just yeah. You have to. I think Josh was right. It's a it's a tool in the in the director's toolbox.
2: You know, I mean, I've run into these people, and Sam is one of them. Like, I don't use zoom lenses. Well, they're zoom lenses. are cool. Sure. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's all. I I don't use them everywhere. Every
1: shot, zoom lens. Well, like, what was that thing in Lunatics where it's the... uh, I don't know how else to describe it, except it's the Conan O'Brien. We cut out the mouth, and then there's a mouth talking. And, like, in a scene...
2: Yeah, well that was your yeah, mouth. My okay.
1: Mouth.
2: <laughs> That's that Yeah, the uh, yeah, Gorbachev
1: magazine.
2: Gorbachev. <laughs> it adds it adds a spice to uh, it, right? It, like, you know, because it's, it's, it's my mouth, but it's Bruce <laughs> dubbing me. It's
1: a very special but, relationship. Um, <laughs>
2: you know, comrade, comrade, a <laughs> uh, glasnost comrade. Um, but the effects crew because they went, well, who's going to do this? Because it's a pain in the ass. And I went, oh, I'll do it. And they went, all right, good. And they gaffers taped my head <laughs> to a wall. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I never
1: thought you can't move, can you?
2: Yeah, no, you can't move a bit. Yeah, no, all right. Not, 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 no, not for the and, uh And uh, I think they took extra joy.
1: It's important to have yeah. like a little bit of revenge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll do it. Oh, that makes so much...
2: Uh, but yes... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a cheap effect, but I went for every cheap effect. It's a I fun love, time. So, it sounds yeah. like
1: it's a fun time uh, for everyone. Just like ta- you know, we get to tie the director to a wall and like you know, and then your ta- ta- yeah. tape, yeah. taped, yeah, ta-
2: tape to tape, tape, taped my head, like you know, so that my mouth would not move for you know, like <laughs> it, over it, an hour. I it's assure you,
0: doing your part in the larger sense that this is a tradition that's been done in film since the start of film, these effects. Like it's a very simple creative effect that, I mean, they started doing in the twenties, the thirties, and you get to do your own version of that. That in itself
1: is kind of cool. Like, you know, but you could also go into uh after effects and fix it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it was fun going like, you know, uh, uh, in the short cleveland mm-hmm. smith Bounty i have Iron. not have you seen that mm. the short film oh you should watch it oh you should watch it it's you know uh uh it's w- bruce it's great it's it's okay. one of my best movies It's <laughs> nine minutes. is one. it
0: is it in the early shorts release like, that came out not too long ago how do uh, we okay it's on that okay yes i can find that pretty easy
2: uh but it's it's at the end of the shorts uh, where we had gone mm-hmm. to 16 millimeter. And so there's only a few of those because once we got to 16, we just like mm-hmm. stopped making shorts. Uh, most okay. of the shorts are Super Eight, So uh, that one is 16 and it's, you know, stars Bruce and Sam as the Nazi. And it really is uh, I, one of my favorite movies of mine and I had a great, great, wonderful time making it. So um, but it is just loaded with uh, old effects of that's what a big part of making Mm -hmm. it was about for me is and because it's black and white, (laughs) the effects work better. And uh, uh, so it's got every kind of old effect I could think of shoving into that movie. Um, And it's the first time Mm -hmm. we did rear screen and miniatures. (laughs) All all the fun stuff, stuff. the
0: Harryhausen stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that stuff's just great. And black and white all goes together. It's it's uh, a
0: lost art. The The more modern movies I watch, we're losing that stuff in the way films are being made.
2: It's not, is it, it, yes, because it's not an important form anymore. I mean, it it, it breaks my heart, but people would rather play video games. <laughs> you, you know, it's just so much bigger of a market. Do you think
1: digital killed it? Because I, mean, I was thinking like, okay, if I wanted to shoot a movie on film, How impossible would that be for me? Probably pretty much almost completely here in Eugene. There's no way. But like, but like, it's just in general though, like, you know, it it does the restrictions of film make better movies.
2: Oh, I don't know. I I don't necessarily believe that. I I don't really honestly care on some level what's happening with that camera.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm hmm.
2: I mean, I chose where it is, and I chose what lenses on it, and okay, fine, fine, fine. But those are all, you know, it's digital, it's 35, it's 16, whatever it is, that's all decisions made earlier. And digital's a really handy thing, and it looks good. And it depends on what you do with it. Of it when you, if indeed you watch morning, noon, and night, um... For a cheap little digital movie, I paid a lot of attention to how it looked. Mm-hmm. M- much more so than Warpath. <laughs> you know oh, where? I,
0: yeah. Oh, I was All just right. gonna say it's on the list. I'm going to watch it. I'll probably watch of, it today.
2: Of of it because it's got it's mostly interiors, mm-hmm. and therefore you're lighting it. You're in control of it and uh uh and i had all kinds of visual lighting lens camera ideas for that movie warpath that all kind of went out the fucking window when it was all just <laughs> raining and raining and raining and how the hell can i get my footage you know mm-hmm. um which is different um so uh uh and and morning noon and night is digital and Uh, You know, it's, it's fine. I I, I don't care. Really.
0: I I've been, I'm, it's going to be interesting to watch morning, noon and night because I noticed with lunatics, the precision and care you put into lighting the scenes, like the spider background in the hallway. Like you can see the outline of the spider's web behind the doctor. Like it's lit very precisely. And I look at scenes and say, let's say Alien Apocalypse, where the outside scenes are so, and I'm sure this is time and budget constraint, like they're over lit. And compared to your other movies, like Running Time, Lunatics, you're very particular in how things, especially your interiors, are lit. So it's interesting to me that you put so much care and you have so much of these tricks in or these tools in your toolbox that I don't think modern movies are relying on the lighting no. that say you do because it all has that same homogenized glean of uh, or sheen over it.
2: It depends. You're you're making. I mean, as an example, I mean, Mank, mm-hmm. which was a, a good movie. It was yeah. not a great movie, but it looked really good.
0: It really did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you care. Yes. If that's a thing you care about, and clearly for Mr. David Fincher, it always has been. Mm -hmm. Then he brings that with him. He gives a damn Mm -hmm. who's shooting the movie and how it looks. And I do, too. But there are a lot of people, I mean, (laughs) I should keep his name out of it, but a a guy who's directed like real movies with Kevin Costner, all kinds of shit, (laughs) who I've known for a long time, He took me aside at a Thanksgiving party and he he said, uh, do you really know the difference between those lenses? And I went, yes. And he went, really? You know the difference between all those lenses? And I went, man, there aren't 10 of them, (laughs) you know? It's not, this is not physics. This is not (laughs) nuclear science. I mean, there's wide lenses, there's long lenses. What are you talking about? 100 is long and, you know, 25 is short. And and you had a few in between. Yeah, I'll never know that. (laughs) I I don't want to know it.
0: It's like, so. And that's how Waterworld ended up Waterworld.
2: (laughs) Kevin Reynolds actually has kind of an eye. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened to him, but, I mean, he did that movie early on. Oh hell! Uh, about the kid who's going to get beat up after school.
0: No oh, right. What um, the hell was that called?
2: Three o'clock high. Okay, and it's very well shot. It's so.
0: So some directors have an eye. I've noticed you still have your eye. Those did come through in some scenes in Warpath, but a lot of modern directors don't have the audacity to only light half an actor's face like. A film film as an art form, every single frame of it can be important, can look interesting, and I don't know if a lot of directors look at it like that anymore, and I think that's a shame. I don't know. That's not really a question. Uh, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wish there were. You know, I wish there... Uh, when I was a kid, I had a lot of directors to look up to and waited joyously for their next movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't await anyone's movie now.
0: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. there's few and far between for myself as well.
2: Well,
1: you know, I think that a lot of it has just moved to TV. I await like TV releases. You know, know. you yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm alone.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> no, well, that's okay. Yeah. It's a big market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you uh, you have to, I, I, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, I just, I like that and eat that form of that enclosed form Mm -hmm. of 90 minutes, two hours, two and a half hours, if you need it. Of, I like that thing. And, and, uh, you know, it's, they don't make that many of them anymore.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, you directed a lot of TV. You know, directed a lot of Hercules, a lot of Xena, Jack of all trades. Uh-huh. You know, and so doing that, you you lost the enclosed enclosed nature of those movies, right? But like, what did you gain from just doing a, a TV show? Like, what what kind of things did you enjoy about writing for TV and directing for TV opposed to like I movies do a lot
2: of writing for TV, but uh, directing it's just uh. It, it's a time management job. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean you're spending an enormous amount of money quickly. Even on independent movies, you you know uh uh but on like Xena or Hercules and that was 25 30 years ago and we were spending 150 US 150,000 US dollars a day. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you can break that down into how much a minute. And that's how they're seeing it in the front office. Mm-hmm. And people on the set, you know, all it would go like, why won't they just give us a little more time to make this better? And it's like, cause it won't make them one more cent. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just lose money. The minute they give us more time, they lose money
1: sounds like so, you don't have a lot of time to think <laughs> and, and it depends
2: work. on how you go at it. If yeah. you, if you, if you try to make too big of an ordeal out of scenes in TV, you're an idiot, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it's just, don't make a big, it, you shoot it. <laughs> and, and I watch these other guys. I'm sorry. I have no respect for just about anyone I've ever seen do this, you know, they just keep going and going. Take seven, take eight. It's like, what are you doing? Keep moving. <laughs> you know, you got as good as you're going to get on take three. Right. Really, take four, maybe. Keep the, keep moving. Did the boom drop in the shot? It didn't. Keep moving. <laughs> Shots um, fired
0: at Stanley Kubrick today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and I wrote about it, you know, on the... Reverse is, because like, I just wrote about Sidney Pollack, mm-hmm. who was in Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely story of Sidney, you know, because he he's a director. He never did that. Right. He made many good movies. He never went 75 takes <laughs> in his whole life. And uh, he shows up the first day, and they never go past take six for his close-ups, for his medium and close up. Mm-hmm. He goes, so he gets out, he's going, like, what's all this bullshit about Stanley Kubrick? (laughs) And he shows up, he has two days scheduled to be in the movie, which ended up being, he shows up the second day where they're getting over his shoulder to Tom Cruise. Every take was 75 takes. And his two days turned into two weeks. (laughs) And had he not, because, and he's saying, Kubrick didn't expect much from him. <laughs> and he gave him everything he had, and Kubrick knew that in six takes, Sidney Pollock was never going to get any better. <laughs> Whereas with Tom Cruise, Kubrick knew if he pushed him beyond his limit, he might just get something really good.
0: <laughs> and he did. Eyes wide shut. Over.
2: Over and over, and he still didn't get anything good in that movie. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, I wouldn't have the guts, you know, and and my favorite director, William Forty-Take Weiler, you know, I never could do that.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. you're, you're conscious of everyone's needs in that. And cause, uh, I mean... Which
2: is ultimately, sadly, I think not where masterpieces come from uh
0: maybe not in tv but you've made some masterpieces you can't say it i'll say it i think lunatics and running time are both really strange independent masterpieces and those are those are compliments when i say strange i mean that is a compliment because nothing turns me off more than you know hero goes from a b to c end of movie like there's no flair. There's no personal touch. You have personal touch in everything you've made that I've seen.
2: Well, thank you. Uh, uh so anyway, but I, I, I'm just saying is all that it comes. Masterpieces have this tendency to come from, you know, more obsessive, weirder <laughs> people. <laughs> Fair. I I can you see know,
0: that argument as well.
2: You know, and. I'm, you know, I grew up with Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. and whatever you want to say about Sam's movies, Sam's movies are Sam's movies. Yes, much more so th- as a visual stylist, mm-hmm. I conform to whatever story I'm shooting. Sam conforms whatever he's shooting to his style Mm -hmm. and you know uh he's audacious and and will take forever to shoot something and has this you know vision if you will and and I I don't work that way very often
1: (laughs) it's a good way to make enemies I think yeah (laughs) you know
2: Everybody, look, and a lot of guys are, you know, big shots are like that. Mm -hmm. And as I've said before, Sam and Bruce and I both said, Sam didn't get that way when he got a big budget. Sam was like that in Super 8. (laughs) So I've been there. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no you're
0: nice to your actors
2: <laughs> I try yeah I, I don't believe you know and, and and William Wyler once again he wasn't all that nice to the actors <laughs> uh, you know he's famous for ni- kind of not being nice to the actors <laughs> right and that just seems you know so wrong to me except that he made so many good movies <laughs>
0: If you could do it all again, you'd hit a few more actors. <laughs> I so that was your one I wouldn't, do,
2: I wouldn't do anything <laughs> differently. You know, I can't. I, I I've been there on the crew, where you know it's like that. Sam said it every day of Evil Dead. You know, this is the ultimate experience in grueling terror, <laughs> and therefore, the set is going to be the ultimate experience in grueling shooting, you know? And, it, and he said, it's gonna, they're going to see that. The audience will see how much we have suffered.
1: <laughs> see, that's interesting. He's like there on the set just saying the tagline. <laughs> and
2: I mean, it's a different point of view. You know, I guess, when, when. Yeah. When they see Rob and Sam see blood on the uh, pieces of plywood we used to roll the camel along in a wheelchair, the two of them are very pleased. You know, <laughs> it's like that. That's why they Rob said it. That's why I pay actors <laughs> for them to bleed for me. <laughs>
0: that uh, God damn. God damn. So, so as we sort of wrap things up here, you've obviously watched a lot of movies. I have. For our
2: list. Nobody can say (laughs) I've wasted my life.
0: No, no one can or should. I'll come to their house and, well, I can't say anymore because it would be a threat. Uh, uh, What movies do you wish more people would see? What are some of your recommendations?
2: I realize that. Older movies don't appeal to younger people as much. Yeah, fuck them. Like, they should watch them. They're great. They're great older movies. There are recent examples of of what I think are excellent. Interestingly, uh, a a guy who we'll see if he keeps going, but Aaron Sorkin. Mm -hmm. I think Molly's Game is a really good movie if you haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Jessica Chastain. And uh, I think Moneyball is a really good movie. Fantastic, yeah. And it uses cinema really well. Of the way it's going in and out of the clips, the baseball clips of using stock shots and what you think are radio announcers but aren't. They're It's in the script and they're, mm-hmm. you know, of how that's put together. You can do some really cool things with film. Mhm. You know, it, and they make it all seem very simple which is uh when you're getting away with it. <laughs> so, uh I still hope, but it's gotten to a point now where I don't even know what I mean uh anywhere anytime any I I, I don't get it at all. It has moved to a place that I don't understand. Yeah, fair. You know, Mhm. That has nothing to do with the telling me a story. Right. And so therefore, I don't know why I'm supposed to watch it.
0: (laughs) Uh, There's an argument to be made that movies and pop culture now is about making you feel like a good person instead of telling a story and entertaining you. I don't know if we're the podcast to bring that up, but it's something I've certainly noticed.
2: (laughs) Make you feel like, well, like virtue signaling is that you, yeah, I just tell me a story. Right. I mean, when I get to, you know, I've done what, 342 of these crack of dawns, And, you know, uh, I, I, my belief is if people are reading them, it's early in the morning. It's first thing when they fire their computer up, it's there. I don't know. I don't care, really. But I mean, like, I did one about the book Hand-Carved Coffins, about the grisliest death scene <laughs> I've read or seen lately. The one about two a, a, a middle-aged couple gets into their car, and there are seven big rattled snakes that have been injected with amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yep. Now, that's a bad way to go. (laughs) And they were bitten hundreds and hundreds of times. And as the detective said, their heads were swollen like pumpkins that had turned green. (laughs) Now, okay, so I'm telling this tale to you first thing in the morning. And I I don't, I'm not trying to Horrify you necessarily. I'm just trying to interest you. <laughs> and to me, that is one of the many things that interests me. Right. Of like, good God, there's a new way to kill people I haven't read about. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes on meth, everybody. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so uh uh the key, the ultimate key to the whole thing we can edit is keep me interested entertain me it's you know uh uh kurt cobain it's uh you know uh hello hello, hello. <laughs> I'm a, you know entertain us <laughs> is what i'm trying to right so, uh, teen spirit uh-huh. it smells, it smells like, like teen spirit, spirit. yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it's your job entertain us
0: <laughs> and we thank you for entertaining us throughout the years josh tell our listeners thank where you. they can find your newsletter crack of dawn
2: Substack, it's
0: free. And like I have been, I genuinely have been reading it. It is, it is really, it's entertaining. It's probably about a four minute read every morning, what, 600 to 800 words? You crank out every single day.
2: They, they they put that three minute read, four minute read, but it never exceeds five. And five is the far end. Mm -hmm. It's a three to four minute read. And the whole, I'm not political, I'm not talking about the world situation, I'm talking about rattlesnakes on an This <laughs> is what I'm talking about. Or whatever, I mean, Hollywood and how you make deals and the history of Hollywood and anything but... The dire situation we find ourselves <laughs> <Right>. in.
1: <laughs> a link to those in the show notes. A link to uh, you, know, you know the movies that we mentioned in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Go take a look. Go yeah. read the newsletter.
2: Yeah, quite good. Quite good. So, okay. Thank you guys. This was wonderful.